Welcome, friends. I'm Sarah Ann Stewart, and this is the Awesome Inside Out Podcast. Now, I'm not sure how you ended up here today, but I want to welcome you with open arms. Because while our past may be different, I'm going to take a wild guess that we share one common desire to have a deeply fulfilling, extraordinary life in a body that we love. A life free of diets, free from guilt, and free from shame. In each episode, we're going to dive deep into mindset shifts that give you the power to decide how you feel, not the media, not your past, and not social conditioning. Then you'll discover how to use this inspiration and this new sense of confidence to be the best you, the you that you are meant to be. So get ready, my friend. It is time to get awesome inside out. Hey there, welcome to another exciting episode. If you're popping on this podcast with any doubt, fears, or feelings of being stuck that are lingering in your current reality, this, my friends, is the perfect episode for you. From my personal experience, I know that when you're feeling stuck, whether that's with your body, your health, your career, or your relationships, it often feels overwhelming and it's easy to get lost without practical tools to help you move through to the other side where there's so much more joy, peace, and fulfillment. That's why I'm so happy to be interviewing one of the brightest, most soulful entrepreneurs on the planet, and she happens to be one of my very best friends, Alyssa Nobriga. Alyssa is a renowned leader in the coaching and consciousness industry. She has supported tens of thousands of people around the world transform themselves and live a more fulfilling life. She is a licensed clinical psychotherapist with a master's degree, a graduate of the Byron Katie School of the Work, and she's trained in the Imago Relationship Therapy. Alyssa has been featured by Deepak Chopra, Forbes, Bank of America, YPO, Psychology Today, and many others. She's also the founder and creator of Mastery for Coaches, an online business course for conscious entrepreneurs globally. I'm confident that the practical wisdom she imparts today may be exactly what you need to hear to make that shift and finally move forward and yes, get unstuck. It's time to play big, my friends, and I know you're ready. So let's meet Alyssa now. Welcome, Melissa, to the show. I'm so, so, so excited to have you. Thank you for being here. I'm so happy to be with you. I love you so much. I'm so grateful for this time. <laughs> when I got married, I was like, oh, we're going on this honeymoon. And, and then we ended up having four extra spots on this trip. And I invited Alyssa and her husband. So we crashed your honeymoon. Give a little bit of background on like how close Alyssa and I are. I love you. I love your husband. I'm so grateful mm-hmm. for both of you in my life. And I am so grateful for you being here because so often I find that in the work that I do with women and supporting them and shifting their relationship and food and their body, it's really not about the food and the body. And that's why I think your work is so profound and being a licensed marriage and family therapist and working as an entrepreneur and a leader in conscious coaching, I think it's really important that we have conversation outside of the food and the body because there's so much more to that, right? There's so much more to the belief systems and the internal work. So I would love for you to just share your story about how you got into this work, what really led you to this place to really create these shifts for other women and allow them to step into their power. Yeah. I'm going like as far back as you can. <laughs> okay. We'll go deep. We'll go back. But yeah. first off, I just love that you and your audience are courageous enough to look under the hood at the deeper things that are coming up because not only in addressing those things do our lives improve, but then we get to be an example for others that it doesn't have to be hard, but mm-hmm. it takes courage to really look at some of those programmings, those operating systems that are outdated or just weren't true in the beginning. 
and it's so innocent, but just so courageous. So I just honor everyone for doing the work. Everybody that's listening, rock on. Like I, and I want to help offer some insights to further you on your journey. So for me at 12, I knew I wanted to be a healer and live in the woods. There wasn't coaches at the time. So I wanted to live in the Redwoods and be a healer, but I also wanted to live in New York City and do marketing and wear stilettos and play. And so I never actually questioned these two parts of me. There was just a clear knowing that that's what I wanted. Mm -hmm. And I just kept taking the next step and somehow it evolved into, oh, part of my work is about bringing a deeper truth to a modern day life so that it doesn't have to be we go off in these caves or we become monks or we do powerful work on our own in the woods, but we can really bring a deeper conversation into the masses. And I think that's part of what my intention has been in my life, but also in the work that I do with people. And I would say 12 was a really difficult time for me just because I got a thyroid condition at that time. My parents were splitting up and I was being bullied at school. And so between everything sort of falling apart, that was a real defining moment for me of really questioning like, who am I? What is marriage? Like, does, do I need to buy into some of these societal rules? And it was a rough time, but it was one of the greatest gifts of my life. And I think we can kind of look back in hindsight and be like, oh, the things that really broke me down actually opened me to a deeper truth. And I'm so grateful for that because that's what got me back into my spiritual journey of just questioning myself and questioning reality and what society has unconsciously bought into. I remember being really young thinking, I've sort of fundamentally felt like we were gullible, like we hadn't questioned some basic things that we were buying into as a society. And later in my life, it's just made more and more sense. It's like, oh yeah, the nature of the mind or what we take to be fact isn't necessarily true, right? The world is flat, just some basic things that I was like, mm, something feels off here. And so some of the hardships that I went through really helped me question myself. And I would say that I still question everything. I feel like that's one of my saving graces, questioning everything, coming back to this space of the unknown, because there's a lot of freedom there if we don't project our fears onto the unknown. And there's a lot of peace. Yeah, so powerful. I think one of the biggest stories I held on to for so many years was like, life has to be hard. Mm -hmm. Oh, you have to work really hard for straight A's. You have to work really hard in college or you won't get ahead. You have to work really hard in your internship. Then the career, like that's yeah. what holds our whole lives. And yeah, I still have to be mindful of not going into that pattern. And I love like resilience. I love sprints. I love going all in. But I think in our society, we've made it a way of being and we feel anxious and guilty for not doing. Mm -hmm. And so actually part of my practice right now is to feel that energy in the body because anxiety is just saying that we're in the future and we're in a story. And so if we can actually cut anxiety by dropping into the raw sensations in the body without giving it a label, if I don't label this as anxiety, I just breathe into the sensations and really allow them here for 90 seconds or so, they actually move on and I interrupt that pattern. And so doing some of those practices so that I don't keep perpetuating this subconscious belief that I need to work hard, and then I just create a lot of busy work, helps me feel into the deeper peace and yeah, the deeper peace that's always here underneath all the stories. And I'm finding actually in the morning, some of this anxiety comes up. It's almost like it boils up. That's part of my practice of just breathing into it. And actually, I feel so much more calm throughout the day. And I'm taking bold actions in my business and things are lining up in ways that I couldn't have planned for. If we don't have the courage to kind of pause and feel some of those things, I think we can just snowball into this anxiety, the what's the next thing and get lost in some of the busy work. Yeah, I love that. And having the courage. I think courage is so huge. And so often I get asked, 
well, how do you embody this courage? I don't even know how to find it in myself. Where does it exist? And so I'm curious for you, after going through the experience of bullying and stepping out of that, and then having the courage to go into practice of therapy and going to college and going through that whole process, was there a lot of doubt in you throughout that process? Or was the bullying something that you kept reflecting back on? I'm just curious, as you pointed out, that it was one of the more transformational times yeah. in life and then having the courage to step into sisterhood. And yeah, how was that for you? And how was that process? Well, it's interesting. What I've found is that when I'm courageous, like you're speaking of courageous enough to face the thing that I've been avoiding, actually, everything I desire is inside the thing I had been avoiding. Mm. So that, for example, the bullying didn't stop until finally one day my brother just picked up, it was going on for a year and a half just to give people a reference point. But like 30 girls were calling my house and threatening to beat me up. And I'm not going to take on 30 girls. I was like not speaking up for myself. And my brother took the phone and was like, here's our address, come over, she's ready. And I was so scared, but he made me face that fear and it stopped. They didn't come and they didn't say a word after that. And actually they wanted to be my friend later in the year and then we went to high school. But in my experience, so like another example would be this feeling of unworthiness. So let's talk about confidence because I think this is big for women and I think a lot of people want to feel confident. But ironically, my approach is somewhat backward or counterintuitive because the way to feel more confident is through insecurity. Mm. And so if you want to feel more confident, it's not, we're never going to be confident 100% of the time if we're identified with our thoughts and our bodies as an ego structure. And if we have a growth mindset and we're consistently wanting to expand ourselves, we're going to be in rooms where we're not the smartest person and we're not the most successful. And so some of that insecurity could come up. And if it does, when we have the courage to really go into it, not indulge it and also not avoid it, but just allow it and really breathe into it and move through it, ironically, we feel a greater sense of confidence, a greater sense of wholeness. So we're not trying to prove our worth, but we embody a more authentic confidence that's underneath the insecurity and that insecurity gets integrated into our nervous system by just allowing it for, again, 90 seconds. So I find a lot of people think about feelings or they have subtle ways of avoiding them. And I just want to be a voice for neuroscience has proven it's 90 seconds to feel a feeling, a raw sensation in the body without a story for it to integrate and move on. And so if listeners are willing to test this out, maybe for a day or for a week, and just to find out what is it like when I just really allow the feeling to be here without telling myself more of a story of who I am as anxious or insecure, and just breathe into those sensations in the body, even right now, like as we're talking, if there's somebody just notice there's a tension in your body, whoever's listening, and just notice where that tension is in your body and breathe into it with full permission, full acceptance, just to be here for right now. Just allowing. And if you really allow it, you'll notice that it moves on. It's almost like these emotions are like little kids. They were just looking for a hug and then they're off playing again. It doesn't have to be complicated or take a long time, but I think it is that sort of sacred pause mm -hmm. to feel the thing before we start taking action on building our careers or sharing our life's work for us to kind of recondition and repattern some of those things. And ironically, we feel more confident, which is the thing we wanted underneath that, not by trying to get it from out there, but really directly sourcing it from inside of ourselves. Yeah, so... So beautiful. I think so often when we don't allow the emotion, mm -hmm. tap into that emotion, we make a decision or we mm -hmm. choose behavior from that place. And then we feel the guilt and shame around the decision that we made. 
And so in that process, right, where we make the decision and then we feel bad after, yeah. how would you coach someone through that or to recognize that? Would, be that, would that be from a place of forgiveness? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think the first thing is always compassionate awareness, meaning when we see the pattern, sometimes just seeing it is freeing. Because if we see it with compassion and without identifying with it, often it can just flip. Sometimes there's deeper core conditioning to look at. And so I can give some tools around that. But I think one of the biggest things is not to judge the patterns that we see and then not to identify further creating a loophole and a story around who we think we are for having this because that just creates more resistance and it deepens the pattern that we don't want. So Mm -hmm. ironically, when we accept something, that's when it can change. But when we're judging it, we're stuck with it. So if I'm saying, I'm emotionally eating, for example. If I'm emotionally eating and I'm judging that, I'm further stuck in that habit. It's going to be harder to change it. And I know my story with emotional eating, and maybe this can help some people, is I remember I was going through a lot of personal development work and I started emotionally eating as a subtle way to avoid. So innocent. So first off, it's just like, oh yeah, that's the way I'm trying to nourish myself. So innocent. I don't have to judge it. I don't have to identify with it. I can have compassion. First step. And for me, one of the things that I did was I wanted to express the energy in a healthy way rather than doing it through food. And so I had a process of just commitment to myself for maybe, I think it was one week or one month. I forgot how long I did it for. But my first step commitment, I think was a week. And then I think I went on for a month, but I just had to break it down. And I said, if I wanted to emotionally eat, then I would just do something called freeform writing, where you just take a pen and a paper Instead of eating, my commitment was just to write for a minimum of 10 minutes anything that was coming up for me. And I didn't think about it. I didn't reread it. And it was all emotional. It was just like, I don't want to do this. I just want to have the chips and blah, blah, blah. And I just started letting the energy out. Mm-hmm. And so that it had a healthier expression rather than through the food. And so after the 10 minutes, I would offer myself compassionate self-forgiveness. And so my favorite forgiveness process is from the University of Santa Monica. I worked on faculty at this master's program. And the way that they guide is to say, I forgive myself for buying into the misunderstanding and then fill in the judgment. I forgive myself for buying into the misunderstanding that I shouldn't be emotional eating. And then the truth is I'm doing the best I can to take care of myself. The truth is I'm learning something new and I'm trying it out right now. And so you could do a few rounds of, I forgive myself for buying into misunderstanding, whatever the judgment is, and then the truth is. And I found that so powerful. So after expressing it and then forgiving it, from there, I made the choice, do I still want the chips? And if I said yes, I wouldn't make that bad. And if I said no, I wouldn't make that good. I had to get out of the right-wrong paradigm. And that's what helped me just doing that over, I think I committed to a week at first, and then I ended up doing it for a month. And it reprogrammed. I actually got to the heart of what I was wanting to express rather than through food. And again, I didn't judge it if I did. And over time, it just reprogrammed it. So compassionate awareness without identifying, expressing the energy, forgiveness, and then not making one right or wrong is Mm -hmm. what really helped me in a very practical way shift that pattern. I mean, that's somewhat my process for a lot of patterns because we're talking about if you don't do some of the deeper work, if you don't feel like you deserve the raise or to go for the job or whatever it is or the relationship we're going to subconsciously block it or hold ourselves back or re-loop into old patterns that aren't actually working. Wow. I absolutely love that. It's so, so profound. And I love the fact that as you shared, you can free flow write without ever reading it again. And I think that's why people are terrified to journal because then your truth, we call it our truth, 
is on a piece of paper there to be judged, but there's no judgment that needs to be in that space. You can yeah. feel right without any judgment. I think of that as like absolutely no judgment, 100%, because otherwise, again, you're further trapped with it. And I think of the freeform writing as taking out the garbage. It's just getting the energy out. I write over the same piece of paper, like just one piece of paper that I keep writing over for a minimum of 10 minutes. And then you can either burn it over the toilet or you can throw it out. But I think you're 100% on to not judging what comes up is powerful. Yeah, and then letting, and then letting it go. And I wanted to go back to this fear of failure and facing fear because I think, well, so often in my space, women won't even start something and they're paralyzed yeah. because of the fear of failure. And I always encourage that your body is this beautiful experience. It's an experiment. You're going to try things on. They're going to be great. You're going to try things off. Like you're going to continue to just try until what works for you. But I think so often we're paralyzed by the context of success versus failure. Mm-hmm. And then we grew up and that's what society tells us. It's either you get an A or an F, like you're mm-hmm. a good student or a bad student and that's it. And there's no ground for experimentation and so forth. So I'm curious how you help your clients move through this fear of failure. And if you have any tools specifically for that, because I feel so often people don't even start a new health protocol or well-being protocol because they're in this fear that they're going to fail. Yeah. I mean, it's paralyzing. I really get it. And I think it's first helpful to define what fear is so we can give a context for it. So fear is believing one of two things and it's always in the mind and always about the future. So it's made up, helpful to notice. So fear is either believing I won't get what I want or what I have will be taken away. I won't get what I want or what I have will be taken away. So it's both a story that we're telling ourselves about what we think will happen in the future. So we can question our fears and live free. We can question our fears. It will be easier to start the thing. I think when we tie our worth with what we're, our performance is, then that's where we get into trouble. I think it's easier to get no's or to quote unquote fail if our self-worth isn't attached to what we're doing. It's mm-hmm. like a little kid because little kids just try things on all day. They're failing a thousand times a day, getting up, learning to walk, all these different things that we sort of lost sight from thinking that our identity is tied into what we do. And so the more we can dissolve that misunderstanding, I think it's easier, but you can also make it a game. You can gamify some of this and have a community that celebrates because anybody that's successful has failed. I feel more and more inspired to share transparently on social media because we can easily project onto people that are ahead of us that they don't fail or that they've got it all figured it out. And I think that the more, as we take leadership roles, the more transparent we can be, I think the more encouraging it is. So it's not just the highlight reel. Right. And so I'm challenging myself to do that more and more. I know you do that so beautifully. I think just about being really honest. And I think we're in a time of transparency, not sharing just the before and after, but sharing as we're moving through something. But if we really slow this down, like if we really slow it down, the worst thing that could ever happen is feeling. The worst thing that could happen is a feeling. So if we have a story about the future of what could happen, that's going to generate a feeling. Now, if something happened, their worst case scenario. So I tend to go to the worst case scenario. I looked at in my own life, what's the worst thing that could happen in my life if I really went for it? And I really put myself in that situation and I questioned and I really did an inquiry. It's kind of like a meditation and looked at, am I okay in that situation other than what I'm thinking and believing? Am I okay? I'm under a bridge. I'm on a cardboard box. Am I okay? Other than what I'm thinking and believing. And I really got to find that I was okay. 
and then I was at peace other was in my mind. And so that helped break some of the fears by facing it. So I'm going towards like sort of a more masculine, like face the fear kind of thing. But I also really appreciate some of the feminine going softer and really having more compassion for ourselves. And I created an audio guide for getting over the fear of failure, just because in my experience, it's first questioning those fear-based stories, really unraveling our self-worth, forgiving those misunderstandings, and then taking bold and strategic action on what it is we want. But I think we can also just have fun with some of this stuff and kind of gamify it and say, how many no's can you get? Or it's like thinking of a child learning to walk or riding a bike, they're going to fall down. But how do you be with yourself as you fall down? You say, I should have had that first try. And I think sometimes, especially with social media, we compare like, oh, they figured it out, but it's not an accurate comparison. And we are using, ego is going to use the comparative mind, follow people or be around people that are really honest and that are encouraging your progress so that you're really focusing on what's next for you rather than just thinking that we have unrealistic standards that we hold ourselves. Because I see women are challenged with people-pleasing, perfectionism, self-doubt, a lot more than men are. I don't think they're necessarily more confident, but I think they can fake it a bit better. And they sort of take bold action on what they want a little bit easier as a general stereotype from what I've seen in my work. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. And I think I think it's just so, so powerful to think about this from a place of gamifying it. I love it. I love that idea because we do. I mean, as a child, you don't think, oh, I just failed and so I'm never going to walk again. You just Mm -hmm. get back up and you get Mm -hmm. back up, you get back up. But then we attach stories that were a failure as we get older. And then those stories become a reality instead of just moving to a space. Well, it's just another try. It's just another protocol that I tried that doesn't work for my body. So I'm going to try another one and I'm going to try another thing. And I'm going to keep going until I have my health and well-being to the place where I can maintain it and what feels good for me. But yet I find we get stuck. I have so many options. There's like a marketing, <laughs> there's this marketing belief that if you give people too many options, <laughs> they, they become villains. And I believe that's true for a lot of our life. We're just fearful that we'll make the wrong decisions. Yeah. So I love those ideas. Hey there, are you loving this podcast? Well, a simple way to support is to head over to sarahannstewart.com and join the newsletter. Doing this ensures that you are never going to miss out on any details of new projects, products, upcoming events, or behind the scenes stuff that I only share with my inner circle. Also by joining, you're going to get access to the movement, which means you are part of a free community of individuals standing in their power to live a diet-free life in a body that they love. So head on over to sarahannstewart.com and subscribe, and I'll see you on the inside. I'm curious too, as you ended with this idea of self-doubt and moving into self-trust, do you have any practices for that? Because I think as we embody self-trust specifically for food and movement, we learn that food is this beautiful nourishing experience and movement is one of the greatest things that is so much fun. You and I, last night, we went to (laughs) the beach and we just put on some headphones with our friend Ashley and we were dancing around the beach with these, I don't know what they're called. Silent disco headphones. Yeah. And people on the boardwalk were like, we were just so in flow and so in love with this movement and excited to play. And so, yeah, if there are any, I'm curious, moving from this self-doubt where I used to be the person on the boardwalk staring down at the girls thinking that could never be me to moving into a place of self-trust where now I'm like, yes, that sounds exciting. And I move directly into it. How do you coach people through that process of beginning to trust themselves? 
Yeah, it's interesting because in talking about body, I didn't used to listen to my body that much. I think part of my health journey with my thyroid has really helped me tune in and learning to trust the body's wisdom and not just the mind's knowing. Like there's different types of knowing. There's intuitive knowing, there's felt sense, there's seeing a vision. And I think one thing that really helped me connect with my own intuition and my own knowing was to write a journal, almost like a dream journal. You know, you do it in the morning, you write your dreams to have an intuition log where you collect, this is what my sense is about something and write down later what happened so that you can start tuning into what's more developed in you. Is it more kinesthetic? Is it more a vision? Do you get a download intuition in your, you know, by smell or there's just different ways. So I think tracking what works for you, I think will help build a confidence that you can trust yourself and what you're being pulled towards. And then I think also just elevating our states like we did last night of dancing or whatever the thing is that makes, maybe it's cooking for some people and they really lose themselves in cooking. But I think that gets us outside of ourself and then we get into this more flow state, which is a lot more easy and synchronistic. We've all had self-doubt and we've all had flow and trust and confidence. And so I think allowing for the space of our full human experience, not having ideas that we should be perfect or always in a place of trust, I think is helpful for an ego structure. And then also just doing what puts you in an energetic high so that you get back into the flow when you're wanting to. I would love to do some studies or have somebody else do studies because I'm not interested in doing it, but I want the research on, I make more money and I'm happier when I'm happier. Mm -hmm. So when I am dancing, when I'm doing things that I love, I could have the same funnel and the same programs and I can track how much more money I make when I do that. And so I think we haven't really recognized how much play is important for our health and for not only our life and our happiness, but also for productivity. And so just kind of recognizing that, taking an intuition log to really start building trust that you can trust yourself. I think less comparison is helpful. So maybe less social media for a little bit of a detox so that they can really listen to themselves rather than getting lost in what other people are doing. I think that's one way that takes me out of being in a deeper trust of myself. So noticing what takes you out of feeling trustworthy of what your own knowing is and your insights are is as helpful as boosting what does work, which is like getting in a higher mm -hmm. energetic vibration. Mm, yeah, I remember when we were all playing on the honeymoon and we didn't really connect to the internet and we were freaking out. We were like, how is our business doing? And then like the day we got internet again, it was like, oh my gosh, everything is okay. We're actually making more money. Everything's in flow. Like crazy. playing and just fun and excitement. And I love how you last year, curious if you're comfortable sharing, but yeah. the dedication to yourself that you were going to or mm. commitment that you were going to play and go on a trip every month. Yeah. Yeah, that was it. And actually being that your honeymoon was in February of the year that I did this, I remember I was about to launch my mastermind group and I had, I think it was maybe two weeks left. And that's oftentimes where you get the most application and sales. And I chose to prioritize my life, not just take all of the sales calls. And I went on your honeymoon and ironically, because I went on your honeymoon, I booked more people. I booked more people into the program. They were really amazing clients. It was another little wink from the universe. I was purposefully questioning the belief that I need to work hard while I was on your honeymoon. So I'm so grateful I took the time to do that. It's like, oh, without that belief system in a higher vibrational state, I have more creative, innovative ideas. I'm not so controlling or in a fear-based state in a narrow perspective. Right. And when we get out of that fear-based state, 
other options come to us, which is so beautiful. I think it's the same with food and movement and connecting back to our truth for well-being. When we're not in the state of what am I going to put in my body? How am I going to move today? I'm so fearful. What if I gain weight? What if I step on the scale? We don't even have the capacity or the energy to see what other options are available to us to nourish our bodies and to flow and to play and to potentially move in different ways. It's like those things don't appear until we take a step back and say, well, this is going to be this beautiful experience outside of the fear state. So I love that. And it was just such a great time. We were like celebrating and dancing in a restaurant in the middle of the night. Oh my God, that's right. (laughs) I wanted to ask you, because you hold these beautiful masterminds with women that come together and empower one another, and I know you're leading that. Was there a time in your life, I know with the bullying and then moving forward where you had a lack of trust for other women, that you didn't believe that connection was possible? And was there a space of moving through that? Or was it after the bullying and you faced that fear, it was just finally over? Because I get asked this question all the time, like I was bullied and I don't have trust for other women anymore. Or I had a bad relationship with my cousin or my brother's girlfriend, whatever it was. And then women stop trusting other women and they build these walls. And then we lack the connection in the community that's really going to set our world free. And so I'm just curious for you how you overcame that, because I feel like that's such an important piece to our well-being. Yeah, our tribe is incredible. I feel so blessed. And I think after middle school for me, I've pretty much had a really incredible tribe of 30 women throughout my life always. Not always, but since then. And I was reflecting on it because there's still a little bit of trace inside me that's like, I have a wound around or a tenderness around people talking around behind somebody's back. Like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to participate in that. If it's like a friend kind of processing something, that feels totally different. But if it feels malicious or ill-intended, I'm sensitive to that. So that's still there. But I actually think that it keeps me mindful of not gossiping and calling other women forward. And so I'm grateful for that, but I can still feel that there's a tenderness there. And I feel like the relationships that I've developed are really beautiful and supportive now, I think because of the inner work that I've done where I really got to unravel that it was, had something to do with me in middle school for being bullied, like that it was my fault. And doing some of that inner work helped me open to and not settle for relationships that didn't call me forward or feel super aligned or supportive. I mean, I just have a huge plug for doing transformational work, the mental and emotional work, because I think it reflects in every other area of our life. If I didn't, I may settle for a romantic partner or friendships that didn't really see me or value me because that would have been a reflection of how I was seeing myself. Mm -hmm. And so I think really doing a lot of work around projections and forgiveness and knowing that it's possible to have community that you feel seen by and supported by and to seek that out. I mean, I'm big into creating those experiences in my mastermind groups because you want to feel safe. And I think actually this is more important for women than I find for men, where if you are seen and celebrated by a community of other women who are really going for it and doing the inner and outer work, I find that we can just go so much further together. I think it's important for men, but there's something you look at little girls and they're sitting on the playground and they're in circle together. They're connecting, they're talking. Boys are playing catch or they're moving and sometimes one-to-one, less of the group situation where I think we can use that for our advantage. Mm -hmm. Like if we're going to compare, let's compare and find and seek people out that are doing what we want to do and tell ourselves that we can. So for example, jealousy or envy, I think that comes by being inspired by what somebody's up to, but then having this belief that I can't have it. 
And if we just question the belief that we can't, we're inspired by them again. And so seeking out people that are doing it so that we know we can, and also seeking out community and being willing to risk and be vulnerable to say, and I just shared a post on Instagram where I was like, sometimes when I see women that I really admire and I don't know them yet, I become like this insecure little boy where I like smile and run away <laughs> where I get weird. And I don't do that with men and I'm married, but it's just funny because it's like, and so my challenge to myself is just to be like, I admire you. I'm so grateful that you're here. I want to learn more about you. Like just be more transparent and authentic. And I think it kind of comes back to the courage conversation of being willing enough to step outside our comfort zone and to do it in a way that just feels really transparent and sweet. And if somebody didn't respond to me in the way that I wanted to be met, I would obviously do my inner work, but I also don't know that I would want somebody like that in my life, right? So I think it's worth doing the projection work, forgiveness work, and then being courageous to seek women out that really see you and support you. And especially for women, it can help make us go so much further. Yeah, I love how you continue to say seek people out because I remember when I moved to LA, I knew no one. And one of the first mastermind dinners that I held was with you and Ashley and Natalie McNeil and a lot of our other really close friends that have now become our tribe has become our community of people that we love and adore and are all in this, I don't know, space of, like you said, the inner work on ourselves and working together to just create impact and build our lives in the most profound ways. And But I didn't come to LA and just walk around and say, well, I wish I had a tribe. That step... No. You are one of the most generous, kind, and intentional women around creating community and impact. And you go out of your way to really nurture community and to help people feel inspired and learn and to do more together. And so I think that that is hosting a mastermind dinner. And that can be, even if it's a picnic for some people that want to just keep it simple, like do a full moon or whatever you want to talk about. Just invite people in and and see where it goes. But you definitely embody that and lead with that. And I'm so grateful because that's how I got you in my life and some other really incredible of our sisters. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I think it is one of those things you have to have courage because the first dinner I was like sitting around and I was like, these are the women I respect like so much. I love them. I love their work. And I was like that little boy. Like I was like a kid that was like, Hi, these people are going to be my friends. <laughs> to be my friends, but attached but detached, right? Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, if it's meant to be, it will be. But I think if I were to go into fear and just walk around and say, "Well, I wish I had community," but not move towards the direction of creating it, if all of us did that, then we wouldn't have found one another. And so the reason I'm bringing that up, this up for the listeners, is so often I hear from women who just say, "Well, there isn't anyone. I can't find anyone. I don't know where they are." But it takes action and it takes that courage to make that step and say, I'm going to do what it takes and I'm going to step into my courageous self and believe that I'm worthy of these friendships. And I believe because I had done a lot of forgiveness work on the bullying that I had in high school and the women that were in the modeling industry that I had a different, very different type of relationship with, because I had done that work, I was open and receptive to true love and connection with other women. But it took that time. And so just as you have said, sometimes it's a blend of both the inner work and the momentum and the movement of curating experiences and so forth. So totally. I mean, it sounds like that's the theme of what we're talking about. I think it's the way your life and the way I live my life, which is really prioritizing, questioning our beliefs, keeping our hearts open, and then being courageous in action towards what we want to create for ourselves. 
Are there any other tools that you do weekly for the inner work or daily? Yeah. Real inquiry is a big one for you. Yeah. Yeah. If anyone's listening and they want a mindset hack, I find the work of Byron Katie powerful. So her website is thework.com. Super simple, but it's really great for any type of relationship. On my website, there's a shop page. People can find like a love quiz that I find really helpful in terms of just shortening the learning curve around what I'm actually here to heal in relationships and how do I block receiving the love that I really desire. There's a failure guide. There's also a getting unstuck guide. Personally, like I love crafting experiences for people through audio guides and workbooks. And so there's a few of those that are complimentary on my site. But I also, what else do I value? When I am going to speak, if I feel really triggered like or anxiety or like nerves before I'm going to give a talk, sometimes I'll do tapping. I also love projections and giving voice to the parts of ourselves that are scared. So Mm -hmm. this is called gestalt and it's essentially just talking from the anxious part or doing some somatic work, breathing into and feeling it in the body. I would just say that oftentimes people think that they can push things off or avoid it, but that essentially just postpones it. And so if people can really get the reference point of, if I allow what's here to move through, not again, indulge it and not avoid it, it actually doesn't take that long. And we reprogram and update our operating system. And then not only do we live our lives more open-hearted and open-minded, but we take more strategic and bold action. So I don't think I'll ever stop doing personal development work, but I just, I find it so valuable. And I think that's one of the best ways we can help change our world is by starting with ourselves. I know. I love it. So often we'll have our masterminds and we started this business mastermind, Alyssa and I, for the listeners and with our friend Ashley. And so often it's ask or what we're talking about and isn't about business. It's about, it's like, how can we do more inquiry? How can we look within? Where can I get support of X, Y, and Z? And oftentimes it's about wellness and well-being. It's not about always about business and entrepreneurship and making more money. And how do I expand my funnels? A lot of it is how do I look inside and do the inner work and what are the tools for that? And so I think we can definitely, and what I see a lot is that we keep going after the entrepreneurship, but without doing the inner work, like you said, we're postponing the most yeah. important work, which is finding the happiness, the fulfillment, the truths, the joy, the things that we can embody every day if we choose to do that work. So yeah, because like there's no amount of success or goals that could really give us more of what we already are. And so without kind of getting lost in the hamster wheel of becoming, we wake up to our beingness. And for me, I think that's a bigger conversation of my life where most of my life was about being and I felt this becoming part didn't feel nourished. And then I swung the pendulum and I started diving into my business, becoming, and I was like, oh, where's the presence and the being? And so that integration, and I think we get it. And I think more and more of our society is getting the value of really unraveling the core stories that have blocked us from experiencing more joy in our life now. And from here, then we get to play and create, but otherwise it's an ever, never ending goal that keeps moving. Mm -hmm. And so just finding that fulfillment and really, I think you were saying this last night when we went to dinner was like, really enjoying the journey, really enjoying, like if this were the only book I wrote and this is the last thing I want to put my heart into it and really just being more present because it's easy. You know, in the healing world, it was easy for me to get lost in the hamster wheel of like always healing and feeling like, when does that end? 
And then in the coaching world, it felt like it was always about the future and the next thing. And it was like, without presence underneath both of those, none of it's going to be enough, right? Because it's just not true. So I feel like diving into a meditation practice or whatever helps stop the mind or help us open to what's beyond the mind will be the most inspired, creative, innovative work we do and way to live. Yes. And the, as Eckhart Tolle says, the space between our thoughts, the space between the doing, the space between all of the things that we're creating. It's like, what if we could just be present in those moments? I look back on like some of the most challenging times, like writing the book we were talking about yesterday. And I was like, wow, I wish I was more present during that book writing. Like, I wish I wasn't so stressed. I wish I could have enjoyed it more because as you said, it might only be, might be my only book. I look back and I'm like, wow, how could I have embodied more and forgiving that space and saying, okay, how do I transition to embodying more of the present in the future so that I get to enjoy all of it? Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. Are there any last thoughts or things you want to share? That yeah. I talk all day with you. I know we do. I love it. Yeah. Just if somebody is listening and you're going through a hard time, I just want to invite you to know that what's on the other side of that is supporting you in waking up. If you can use whatever is hurting you to free you. And so I just want you to know that there's so much support and to be compassionate with yourself, to be patient with yourself and to trust the timing. There's a bigger perfection that holds the stars in the place that's also guiding your life. So trust it and be gentle and enjoy wherever you are on your path. Mm. Where can people find you if they want to get support from you? Alyssa has such a beautiful mastermind. I'm just like in awe of this mastermind you've created and a program called Mastery for Coaches that I also love and have taken. And so much of my successes, I credit to you because you really have supported me and been a mentor to me and helped me so, so much. So if other people want to learn from you, learn about your work, coach with you, Sign up for your mastermind work. (laughs) Yeah, all the things. Yeah, they can go to alissanobriga.com. Whether it be an online course for coaches, training or starting businesses or just soul-centered professional women wanting to go to the next level, that's the mastermind. Thank you so much for being here. I love you so much. I love you so, so much. We'll have to do it again because I had like 20 more questions. <laughs> <laughs> that was perfect for today. In the future, we'll do it again. So thank you. Wow. Thank you so much for staying all the way to the end. This has been another amazing interview and I'm going to turn it straight to you now. I want to know what Alyssa shared today that really resonated and spoke to you on a soul level. What shifts are you ready to make and where are you ready to stop playing small? What is the one thing that you're going to do this week from what we share to live a more empowered life? Write it down and share it with me. I love, love, love hearing from you and witnessing all the individuals who are upgrading their lives from listening to this podcast. And I'm always amazed at how there is so much room for growth. There are always opportunities to expand and become more of who you are. And that's what I really want to leave you with today. Your circumstances, your stuck points, your self-doubt, they're not who you are. They're just opportunities to discover your courage, strength, and resilience. So trust in that, and I'm sending you so much love. Until next time, my friends, thank you so much for being here. All right, that concludes this cast. It is my honor to always be here with you. But hang tight because I have one last thought. You're here right now because you are ready. Because while many of us share the feelings of wanting more, not everyone is willing to do what it takes to get it. But you are here. You are ready. So this is your opportunity now to take what you just learned and implement it today. 
make a pact with yourself to put just one thing into action. Just one. Write it down, do it, and share it with me. We are all in this together. Thank you for being here. You too can feel awesome from the inside out.